You know, there have been a lot of prophecies. Um, this is not, not part of the sermon. I'm, but before we release the children, I would like for all of our children's ministry workers to hear this. is why I have not released the children yet. As we think about missions and as we think about all the work that's going on around the planet, we have um, here at home a lot of work that needs to be done. And anytime I hear of a missionary that has come here, to, to minister the gospel here, my heart always jumps because this nation needs it. We have people groups in this nation that also need and to, that are unaware of the gospel. We have entire people groups, they're called school children. Many of them are not aware of what truth is. And so we have in, in our grasp and at our responsibility, because our nation is our responsibility, we have before us opportunity. And so we have to be in prayer and Lord, um, show us how to reach them. You know, when Jesus sent out the 70, he, <laughs> he calls them together and he goes, all right, pray. He says, pray for laborers, because the harvest is abundant, but pray that workers would go forth. And as soon as, so he gives them their directive to pray. Not because he thought that the Lord thought that they were bored or needed something to do, but because prayer absolutely reaches the Father, and by the power of the Father, history is changed. And so it was on this directive, pray for those who are are out there in the world. Pray that workers, specifically, that workers would go to that harvest field. And then the next words out of his mouth were, so I'm sending you, so go. That's what he said to the 70. So he expected them to be praying and going. No, your responsibility is to not just pray. Oh, well, we're going to just pray. Well, then you're only going to be half scriptural. We're told to go into all the world. Now, one of the ways that we do that is with our finances, is by giving into missions over there. But we also have missions here at home. Are you being salt and light where you go? Are you praying as you go? We are to be people of prayer. And in this time and season, you know, we've been given a lot of prophecies. Going all the way back, I mean, years ago we can go, but let's just take... um, Let's take the last four years. This particular four years, the next four years, I believe, are a time that the Lord, you know, concerning our president and and the window of time that he's serving as president, we've had a lot of prophecies about uh, there's a window given to us, a window of time that there's a reprieve given that, you know, what came before this, it seemed just like a downward swan dive, you know, of, of into darkness. And while... This particular time, we have been given an opportunity, a pause has been hit, if you will, of some things. And so, the question we have to ask, I was having this conversation with Kevin earlier, and I'm not going to call you up, but he was sharing with me some things the Lord had spoken to him and shared with him about this window of time that is for revival, it's for prayer, it's for seeking and, and reaching out to the Lord. Because the Lord wants to do something through us. And it's not just for those flags on the wall. We certainly are going there and going to continue there. But we're, we also have a responsibility here at home. You know, the Great Commission, Jesus said it, that go therefore, the word really means as you go. As you go. 
teach, preach, baptize. That means in your going, the implication is, is that you're not sitting, that you're going, that you're active. That's the implication, that you're active. And when we look at prophecies and things that the Lord has given, I mean, you can any, any uh, random day pretty much, you can scroll through Facebook and if you have as many believer friends as I do, you know, there's half a dozen of them that are sharing some prophecies and some of them are just whacked and some of them are, are really ministered to me and others I go, man, I don't know, man. That, uh, if the Lord gave that, then great, you know, I just, I haven't, I don't know. But you know, we're called to judge prophecies. We're called to look at these things and to examine them and say, you know, is this true in light of Scripture? Because that's what we judge them to. That and the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So any prophecy that you hear about the time and season we live in, you have to say, well, how does that line up with Scripture? Father, what are you saying about this? Because see, we have a book of prophecy. It's called the book of Revelation. That talks about all kinds of things that are going to happen. And, and in Paul's time, he was pretty certain they were stepping into it at that time. That was 2,000 years ago. Or almost, you know, 1960, let's... And so he was pretty certain, Peter was pretty certain, that it was time. And so um, they only missed it by a couple thousand years. But see, I think something else actually is taking place. The delay. The Word tells us why the delay is there. It's not because the Lord isn't doing what He said. It's because He's patient. And the reason that He's patient is because He has salt and light in the earth today that's still being effective. When that stops being effective, the whole thing's going to go up and be finished up. But as long as you and I are here and people are coming into the kingdom and that we are being the body of Christ in the earth, I believe you're going to continue to see a, a pause from what looks like it ought to be now. And so right now we can look around us and it seems like, man, it's darker than what it's been in the past, at least in, in our lifetime past. But yet we have opportunity to be that much more light and that much more salt. And so what I implore you to do is be a people of prayer. Lift up our community, our nation, our leaders, our governors up in prayer. And you know, the governors, the leaders, the, the I shouldn't call them leaders. Did you know that calling our, our governors and all those people in, uh, in, in those positions, calling them leaders puts the wrong idea in your mind. They're civil servants. Most of them have forgotten that. Okay? But we need to be praying that their eyes are open. That our judges, that our senators, our congressmen, that their eyes are open to the time we live in. And you know what? If they refuse to open their eyes, then pray them out of office. Have them be removed. Not at the next election, before then. We as a church need to start walking in the authority that we've been given. You know, some of these things that are foretold, there's a lot of, of noise about prophecy and people go, well, yeah, this was prophesied and it didn't come true. Well, that was prophesied and it didn't come true. Well, then I suppose we could just throw the whole book of Revelations out. See, there is a yet. That's right. I heard someone say yet. There is a yet. There is still to come. And what's more, a word of foreknowledge from the Lord is, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. There's a lot of ifs attached to prophecies. This will happen if this happens. 
This will take place if you do this. I'll give you an example. Um, in, in 1 Samuel 23, if you want to turn there with me, 1 Samuel 23, there's a difference between a divine word of, of foreknowledge and something that's predestinated. And in this time and season, it's going to do us good to have this understanding to know that there's a difference between knowing about something or or having a divine word of foreknowledge or if something is predestinated. Let's just read in verse 1 here. And it says, It was reported to David, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keliah and raiding the threshing floors. So David inquired of the Lord. Should I launch an attack against these Philistines? And the Lord answered David. So is the Lord speaking? Yes. So the Lord said, launch an attack against the Philistines and rescue Keilah. But David's man said to him, look, we're afraid in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him, go at once to Keilah for I will hand the Philistines over to you. Again, that's the Lord's word of divine foreknowledge. Then David and his men went to Keilah, fought against the Philistines, drove their livestock away, and inflicted heavy losses on them. So David rescued the inhabitants of Keilah. Uh, Abithar, son of Abimelech, fled to David at Keilah and brought an ephod to him, or with him. So here we see the word of the Lord came. It was divine foreknowledge. Do this. If you do this, this will happen. And we saw that it all happened just like the Lord said. Now let's keep reading. When it was reported to Saul that David had gone to Keilah, he said, God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself by entering a town with barred gates. Then Saul summoned all the troops to go to war at Keilah and besieged David and his men. Not not besieged, past tense, but to besiege David. Verse 9, when David learned that Saul was plotting evil against him, he said to Abithar the priest, bring the ephod. Then David said, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard that Saul intends to come to Keilah and destroy the town because of me. Will the citizens of Keilah hand me over to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord answered, he will come down. Everyone say, the Lord answered. He will come down. So the Lord spoke. The Lord has prophesied. He said, He will come down. Then David asked, Will the citizens of Keilah hand me over and my men over to Saul? They will, the Lord responded. So David and his men, numbering about 600, left Keilah at once and moved from place to place. When it was reported to Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, he called off the expedition. He never went. The Lord said, He will come down. But he never went. Do you see that? So not every word of prophecy, even straight from the Lord, is going to, come to, is going to happen if you take a certain action. Many of these prophecies are dependent upon what we do or don't do. So David took a certain action, so then it never happened. Does that make the Lord a liar? No. If David would have stayed, would Saul have come down? Yes. And the people would have handed him over, just like the Lord said. But because he escaped, he left, well, Saul calls off the expedition. A divine word of foreknowledge does not mean it's predestinated. There's a difference. 
Something that's predestinated will happen. It will take place. And it's not dependent on our choices. Let's say it this way. The end is predestinated. However, the means to the end is not predestinated. Revelations is predestinated. But how long? He said short. It's it's soon. It's coming. It's near. Right? Isn't that what, what they all said? By the Spirit of the Lord? So the end is predestinated. It's going to happen that way. How we get to that end is not predestinated. That's up to you and I and how we walk and and how effective we are and whether we stay salt and light. Where our faith is. Are we making up the gap in the wall? Are we making up the breach? Are we the watchman on the wall? See, predestination is something that's going to take place But how it's going to to be accomplished is not necessarily set in stone yet. Or or the arrival to that end, I should say. If you wanted examples of this, you could look at, um, in 1 Kings 22, is where um, two kings are having a conversation about going up to war against another king. And (laughs) the Lord says, asks the question, who's going to go be a lying spirit Who's going to convince the king to go to war? Because see, he'd handed him over to him already. The end was already predestinated. But how the king arrived to it was still up. And so an evil spirit said, I'll go, I'll convince him. And the Lord said, yeah, you will. And he went out and convinced him and was a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophet. And uh, it all happened just like he said. In, In Daniel... I'll have to turn to that one in Daniel chapter 4. is an example of something that is prophesied, even you could say predestinated. However, there were things that could take place. Let's just read in verse 1 of, of Daniel 4. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language which live in all the earth, may your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders the Most High God has done for me. How great are His miracles and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me. So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they might make the dream's interpretation known to me. When the diviner priests, medians, Chaldeans, and astrologers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Finally, Daniel, named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him, came before me. I told him the dream. Belteshazzar, the head of the diviners, because I know that you have a spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you, explain to me the vision of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. In the visions of my mind, as I was laying in my bed, I saw this. There was a tree in the middle of the earth, and its height was great, and the tree grew large and strong, and its top reached to the sky, and it was visible to the ends of the earth, and its leaves were beautiful, its fruit was abundant, and on it was food for all. 
Wild animals found shelter under it, and the birds of the air lived in its branches, and every creature was fed from it. And as I was lying in my bed, I also saw in the vision of my mind an observer, a holy one, coming down from heaven. This is like an angel. And he called out loudly, cut down the tree and chop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump with its roots in the ground and with a band of iron and bronze around it in the tender grass of the field. Let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share the plants of the earth with the animals. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal for seven periods of time. This word is by decree of the observers. The matter is a command from the holy ones. This is so the living will know that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men. He gives it to anyone He wants and sets over it the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, that would be Daniel, tell me the interpretation because none of the wise men of my kingdom can make the interpretation known to me. But you can because you have the spirit of the holy gods. Then Daniel whose name is Belteshazzar, was stunned for a moment. I suppose. And his thoughts alarmed him. And the king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. He's like, man, if I tell him this one, he's probably going to take my head. Belteshazzar answered, My Lord, may the dream apply to those who hate you. <laughs> and its interpretation to your enemies. Maybe that'll save my neck. Verse 20, the tree you saw which grew large and strong, whose top reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all, and under it the wild animals lived, and in its branches the birds of the air lived. That tree is you, the king, for you have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown and even reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the ends of the earth. The king saw an observer, a holy one, come down from heaven, saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground, with a band of iron and bronze around it in the tender grass of the field. Let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share food with the wild animals for seven periods of time. This is the interpretation, Your Majesty, and this is the sentence of the Most High that has been passed against my Lord the King. So he's starting to talk a little bit more boldly, isn't he? The Spirit of the Lord is on him. And when that happens, boldness comes, doesn't it? You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with dew from the sky for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler. Did you see there's an until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men and He gives it to anyone He wants. As for the command to leave the tree stump with its roots, your kingdom will be restored to you as soon as you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, may my advice seem good to you, my king. Separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be an extension of your prosperity. How many know that the Lord is merciful? You know, Ahaz, no, King Ahab, he was like one of the most wicked kings that there was. The guy was just vile. And he did all these horrible things. And judgment was pronounced against him. <clears throat> and do you know that he repented? At the end of his life, we see that he repented 
and the Lord forgave him and did not bring those things against him. Now, they still visited his children, but it didn't come against him because he had repented. Well, here Daniel's advice says, separate yourself from your sins. (laughs) Do what's right. Start being just. And perhaps the Lord will grant you mercy or an extension. That's what that is, an extension. You know, we in this time and in this window of time that we're in, let's not let it slip through our hands. If, if you are not right with the Lord, then repent. Get right. And if you're right with the Lord, well then hallelujah, be a people of prayer. Be a people that, that speak change into the earth. Change into our season of time that we're in. Revival into the church. You know, that's where it starts is in the church. We want to see revival in the streets. Well, then first we have to have it here in our heart and be revived. And I, I completely believe, based on Daniel's words here that, that, and other examples of the Lord, that if the king here would have repented, none of those things would have came to pass to him. It says in verse 28, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon. The king exclaimed, Is this not Babylon the great that I have built by my vast power to be a royal residence and to display my majestic glory? Oops. Moo. While the words were still in the king's mouth, A voice came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals and you will feed on grass like cattle for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men and He gives it to anyone He wants. At that moment, the sentence against Nebuchadnezzar was executed. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle and his body was drenched with dew from the sky until his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. At the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Now, it's interesting that when he looked up to heaven, that's humbling himself, realizing who is in who is Lord. He looked up to heaven and then his sanity returned. And, and his kingdom was returned and all the things were returned. And you keep... And um, his, in verse 36 it says, At that time my sanity returned to me, my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom and even more greatness came to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of heaven. <laughs> because all his works are true and his ways are just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride it's time for the body of Christ to humble themselves the grace has been poured out and if you want to receive it then we have to humble we have to pray we have to ask the Lord help us help him help us help him these words of prophecy we have many words of prophecy that touch us today and understand that these, these things are conditional upon what we do. How we react to what we take from the Lord. And how we react to Him. And if we cooperate with Him. So look for them. Judge them. 
judge them and then act. We're not done. All right. Let's go to First uh, Thessalonians, and I think this is where we'll. In First Thessalonians five, in in uh, let's go verse sixteen. Rejoice always. So you're going to step on the gas of joy, on the gas pedal of joy, and don't let up. Just keep pedal to the metal. How would that joy be in you? Well, because you're in fellowship. He abides in you, you abide in Him. In joy, they will come to my house of prayer, is what Scripture says. In, in joy, in rejoicing. That's in Isaiah. Maybe Isaiah 53, I'm not sure. Somewhere in there. They'll come to my house of prayer. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, not for everything. Give thanks in everything. You're not thanking the Lord for coronavirus. You're thanking the Lord for His provision and safety in the midst of it. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. But test all things. To test it. How do you test it? What Against the Word. What does other words say? Does this line up with what we're seeing in Scripture? Does this line up with the Spirit of God? Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace Himself. He's the God of peace. Not the God of fear. God of peace Himself. Sanctify you completely. That means you are set apart completely. Not mingled with the things of the world. Not coming out of the fire smelling like smoke, right? But you're set apart. Not set apart to no good. No, but set apart completely for very specific purposes. And may your spirit, soul, and body, starting in your spirit, affecting your soul, and your body comes into line with it, be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Say, He is faithful. faithful. Who also will do it. Brothers, pray for us also. See, your prayers make a difference. Paul here is being a missionary and he's saying pray for us. So pray for each other because we're, we're missionaries here at home too. Pray for each other. Greet all the brothers with social distancing. Oh wait, I read that wrong, sorry. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. That means it's a divine greeting. See, their custom was they kissed each other. That's still their custom over in those parts of the world. The point is that it's holy. That it's of the Lord. That it's a touch from the Lord is the point of it. So if you're going to shake someone's hand, then do it in the Lord. It's a holy handshake. Verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers. Make sure you read it. May the grace... That's be the empowerment of the Lord. The the help of the Lord. His abilities, not yours. Not your grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, the grace of the Lord be with you. (laughs) We've got some funny people in the crowd. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your instruction and that you are alive and well. That you are on the throne and we acknowledge you as the Most High, as ruler of heaven and earth. And I thank you, Lord, that you said we would reign with you in life. That's right here, right now. 
So, Father, we decree your, your promises of protection and provision over the people in this house, the people listening by internet. Father, I decree your deliverance to those that need deliverance. I declare your peace upon each person here in spirit, in soul, and in body. Father, we submit to you, to your divine will, to your divine purpose, to your predestinated ends. Father, we just ask you, Lord, this morning that you encounter us with an ever greater measure of your grace and ability, of your empowerment coming in and through us. Lord, give us your, your, your um, oh man, your heart of prayer. Your, your discernment in this time and season. The understanding of the window of time that we live in. I ask you for it. I believe you've given it. I thank you for it. So Father, direct us how to pray. Teach us. Show us. Give us the words we need to pray in English or whatever language you're praying in. Lord, that you would give us how to say it what to ask of you, what to require of you. And Father, And we, we hook up with you in these things and believe that as we speak your words, that they will come to pass. As we align with you in this time that we live in, that we won't be ineffective, but that we'll be salt and light just as you've directed. And I thank you. Thank you also that these finances that are going to all the world, around the world, to the uttermost, Father, that you increase them, that all those missionaries in those places, that you increase them, that their words would be effective and that, that people's ears would be open to hear the gospel. I thank you, Lord, that as those missionaries go and as they preach, that you stretch forth your hand to do signs and wonders and to, to, to perform the word. That people would see and glorify Jesus. That they would recognize Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I thank you for this. I thank you that you bring provision to the giver. That you provide more seed to sow. That you provide an abundance of finances to each one. Well, the ushers can wait on the people. And if you need an envelope, just raise your hand. And they'll, If you're giving by credit card, make sure you put all your information on it. If you're giving by check, you don't need to put any information. And um, all right, in just a moment here, uh, if it comes to you and you're not quite ready. Just... And while they're passing that, let's pray over our children. Lord, I thank you. And none of these children have caught you by surprise. They might have caught some of us by surprise, Lord, but they didn't catch you by surprise. So I ask you, Father, for your divine favor to be upon the children in this house. That the gifts and callings that you've placed in them, even as they were in the womb, Father, that they would continue to be birthed and to grow in our children. Lord, give the parents here the, the eyes to see these things and, and the ability, the know-how, how to groom them to, to walk with you all the days of their life. Father, we don't want these children to be just another generation, Lord. We want this, this generation. <laughs> Come on, let's just pray together. Pray from your mouth. Ask the Lord from your mouth. Father, you said that, <laughs> that even a child would lead them. You talked about how from the mouth of babes your truth is spoken. And we've seen it in the past, Lord, and we ask that the, these children be that. 
Lord, that your salt and light would flow through these children, Lord. That starting in us as parents, from our spirit, from the heart you've given to us, Lord, that we would, we would fan these flames in our children. And that it would take off like wildfire across this planet, Lord. Revival across this planet, even in our children, Lord. It doesn't have to look a certain way, Lord. It doesn't have to look like the ways that we've somehow decided it needs to look. But Father, you have your way. You have your will be done here in this house, in these children, in your house across the planet, Lord. Lord, you told the children to claim and to stake claim on the land of Canaan as they went in. So Father, this day, this day, this 26th day of April of 2020, I lay claim to every child in this house for the kingdom of God. I lay claim to the children of this, of this Lancaster County, of York County, of Pennsylvania, of the United States of America. Father, as your representatives in the earth, we lay claim to these children for the kingdom of God, for your purpose. For your plan, for your, for your spirit. Father, I ask you to touch and encounter our children. Come into them. I am asking you, Father, to touch them all across this nation and all across the planet. Come to the children in dreams and visions. Reveal yourself to our children, Lord. That truth prevailed to them. And Lord, if you can't get it across to the parents, then get it to the children. As your representatives, this day we've, we've required this, Father, that your truth would be seen and that your truth, your word would have free reign on this planet and on this earth. Lord, I ask you for boldness in these children to be preachers of righteousness. I ask you for boldness upon us as parents in the house of God to be preachers of righteousness in the house and out of the house, Lord. Boldness, confirm your word as it's preached. As we lay hands on people, that they're healed. That Jesus is glorified. Lord, make this Jesus crucified. Him lifted up. He paid the price, Father, that you might have communion with man again. Let this be known. I thank you for it in Jesus. Who can say amen? Amen, amen means so be it. So our children, our ministry workers, they can go. And uh, be blessed and just full of the Word as they go. I'm so glad that the Lord's will is accomplished. None of that was um, exactly in the prepared sermon this morning. But it was prepared in the Lord's heart. For you and I. Talk about have a little bit of rain and cloudiness out there, and it just makes it that much more warm in here. And if you brought the sun, S-O-N, shine, with you, then it's bright no matter where you go. We have uh, every fifth Sunday, or not, no, that's not correct, every last Sunday of the month, we take a special missions offering, and, and we encourage everyone to... Uh, no matter where they want to send it to around the world, but to funnel it through Church of the Word International, those of you that belong here anyway. And um, the reason that we do that is we like to, at the end of, the, end of our calendar year, 
uh, to look at it and, and be able to see, well, together we did this in the mission field. And so that's what we're going to do here in just a moment is we're going to take that missions offering. 100% of it goes to wherever you guys uh, designate that you want it to go to. We also have just a general mission fund that if you don't have a place that you want it to go to, but you want to be involved, that you can do it that way. This morning we want to highlight um, in particular Ghana Initiative. It's a mobile medical mission and uh, by our very own Troy. He... uh, leads that charge there. So we've asked him to come and share this morning what he's doing. Now that doesn't mean that um, your offering has to go to him. It certainly is welcome to, okay? They have lots and lots of need in the work that they're doing there. However, the, the offering this morning will go to wherever you designate it to go. So there are some of you here that have, uh, have a, a monthly... Um, support that you send to places all over the place. So continue and and just do that. And then uh, if you want to do something above and beyond that, pray and ask the Lord what your part is in it and He, with how involved He wants you to be. So Troy, if you would come and uh, share with us about the work that you're doing in Ghana, how we can be a part of it. Okay, thank you. Debbie, I thought you were going to be up here and asking me questions, but that's all right. I'll ask you some questions. Oh, good. (laughs) Did you have, um, I don't know if you're, did your video answer our questions or do you want to do that at the end? Uh, No, you can gladly ask questions. That's great. Okay. Makes it easier. So how did you get started in Ghana? I got started in Ghana um, back in 2013. I had gone over to Ghana to visit a uh, sponsor child. My wife and I and our family had been sponsored some 10 years at that point, and I decided that I wanted to go visit. My wife wasn't interested at the time to come with me, but so I went on, on my own. And when I went there, I, I found that my heart exploded, uh, and it exploded for the people of Ghana. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what was going to happen. But when I returned, I ended up meeting up with a friend who went to church with me, and that friend said to me soon thereafter, hey, I'd like to talk to you about you becoming a part of an organization called Would You Like to Join Me? And I didn't know what to say because I knew right there and then that that's what the Lord was leading. But I still have a family and I have a wife. So after prayer and and discussing with my wife, we decided that, yes, I would become a part of Ghana. That's from there it grew. So what is Ghana Initiative about? What do they do in Ghana? Well, Ghana Initiative is first uh, a mobile medical mission. Uh, I should say first. That's what we first started out as, a mobile medical mission, where we have a truck that we shipped over there several years ago. That truck is kitted out to be uh, uh, an examination room and holds all of our supplies. And we have clinics that we take from town to town and provide free medical attention, uh, eye care, as well as sometimes dental care, to anyone that comes to us. It doesn't matter what the need is. It could be malaria or it could be a sore throat. And they come to us and we provide. The goal, however, is to spread the word of God to these people. And that is our way, our foot in the door. The the government says, hey, come on in and do whatever you like to, as long as you're providing the help that we need for our people. So how does the spreading the word of God look like on a a typical day? Uh, Several ways. Well, first, first thing is that each of our members of our teams are uh, trained in essence to make sure that when they're with the the patients in the clinic that they're actually taking the time to talk to them about Jesus asking them do you know Jesus and if the person says yes I do well who is he to you and most of the time they say well he's my papa 
What does that mean to you? And they have no idea many times. Just that's what they were taught. He's my papa. Well, then we tell them who he is, and we show them who he is, and we eventually bring them into the fold. Uh, born again Christians. So that, that's where we start. We also go door to door, and if we're going through towns and cities and we're just doing a tour as a, as a team, when we see people, we stop, we talk, and we spread the word of God. So you mentioned team several times. Does that mean you take people with you, or what does that look like? We do. We've taken people from across the United States, and I mean from coast to coast, as well as from Canada to Great or to uh, Ghana. I say Great Britain because that's also in my heart. I'd like to take people from Lee. But uh, we've taken people from those two, our two countries, and uh, we take teams of anywhere between 10 and 15, typically. If we take more in the future, which we expect that we will, we'll split up and we'll go into different places, more communities than what we currently serve. We typically serve between two and three communities. Okay. And uh, when is your next trip scheduled? Our next trip is July the 28th to July 29th to August the 9th. So that's coming right up. All right, so uh, tell us a little bit about Michael. We have a paper that you guys, um, everyone I believe, can pick up in the back if you didn't already. So tell us about Michael, who he is, um, and what our involvement with him is. Michael is a little boy that we met the last time we were over in Ghana. He uh, came to our Bible school, which is another thing that we do. We, we usually see between five and 600 children in a week. Uh, they come to our Bible school. This, the, the, the classrooms start with about 20 kids in them, and they end up by the end of the week, each classroom with over 100 children in it. Uh, it can, it's, it's hard to imagine that that many kids can fit in a room when it's 95 degrees and the teachers are up front trying to write on a blackboard that's just been painted there. But we do. We have an, an exciting time. I, I just now noticed that uh, Michael is up there on the, the screen. Um, Michael is 10 years old. His birthday is the 27th of June, 2000. And so uh, we're, what I hope to do is when we go over there, we'll be able to give him some birthday cards. It'll be a little bit late, but that's okay. He won't care. Um, and what's happening is Michael is going to be uh, sponsored by the, the church, but more importantly, the children here uh, in the church. And they are going to be able to write letters to, to Michael. Um, my hope is that he too will be able to write letters back and I'll be able to then forward them. Uh, the, the children's mission, our children's uh, Sunday school leaders and uh, go from there. But it's one of those deals where this little guy, if he didn't have sponsorship, he wouldn't be able to go to school. He wouldn't be able to attend school on a regular basis. Instead, he would stay home and he would help his mom with cooking and cleaning and doing the things around the household, which he has done for the last year. He hasn't had the opportunity to go to school. So by sponsoring for, I think you're going to ask a question later on, but for $30 a month, he is able to get his school fees paid, have his school uniform, have his books and supplies and all of the things that he needs so that he can consistently go to school, get his education, and then hopefully be a benefit to his. So do you have other children that are up for sponsorship? We do. Uh, currently, we have six other children that are waiting for sponsorship. So if anybody finds that the Lord puts it on their heart that they would like to sponsor, please see me and I, I can certainly give you uh, some opportunity to sponsor a child. Okay. To share? I just want to thank everybody here for giving me this time to be up here with you and, and to, to share about Michael. It's, this is his house, by the way. Um, his, he's probably just finishing up helping his mother sweep off the, the porch. Um, every day they, they go through the home and, and the porch and they, they sweep with a little handmade broom uh, because many of them don't have concrete floors. He's very fortunate that on his porch there they do, but many of the houses in interior are a dirt floor and they're very, very dusty. 
So every day, they've got to get rid of as much of that dust as they can because it becomes difficult to sleep. This is what the area around it looks like. It's a forested area. Uh, it, it's uh, uh, kind of overgrown, but where it isn't, you see pineapple fields. And the pineapple fields spread right up to the houses and the community. In fact, this last year we went over and there was a pineapple plantation that was built right up against the church now where, where we are. That's a chicken coop. Somebody decided to make their own chicken coop and use it as a storage area as well. Unfortunately, the chickens were on top instead of inside. This is a, a, a local community uh, store, general store, that you can go to and buy goods. It's, it's, it's really sweet. We, we go there, and the prices are unbelievable. For instance, the water that I had in front of me there was about five cents per bottle whereas here you'd pay well over a dollar a bottle. This is a fishmonger. The lady would have gone uh, to someone in the city, bought the fish, brought it back, salted it, and now she's trying to sell it. That's the kind of fish we don't eat or we then end up with diarrhea. Um, <laughs> instead of playing mancala like we might play with a board, they play mancala on the ground by digging little holes and using seeds. That's what that little guy's doing in front of me. Um, and this is where Michael go, will go to school. It's called Pokum Saba Junior High School. The children are all there because when we're there after Sunday school, we try to do something with them each day. One of the days, actually two of the days, I rent um, uh, a DJ and his big speakers, and he comes and plays the music so loud that our doctors at the clinic tell us to move as far away as we can because they can't hear the children or the people's heartbeats when they're trying to, to check their heart. That's what the classroom looks like when it's organized. I took a picture when all this, the kids were there getting ready to pray. So you could see they were seated. Most of the time, they're not seated. They're moving around. They're having a whole lot. But that's... A typical desk in a classroom, three to four children will sit at one desk because that's what they've got. Bible lessons taking place. Children get to do activities with our Bible school. We take all kinds of things with us and ship them across. We like to dance with the kids. I do too. I may not dance here in church there. You know, you're welcome to. I know I am. I know I am. <laughs> I'm sweating as it is. Lila. <laughs> While we're over there, we also drill wells. This is one of the wells that we've drilled for the community, and we were just opening it on that day. And that's Michael with his mother, Gladys. By the way, the shirt that he's wearing um, is uh, one that was donated. We, we take over all kinds of donated items. And the kids around the community, when we go over there, it's like seeing America because they're wearing all Amer of our American stuff, and they wear it every day. So thank you very much. So do you have any of your other board members here with you this morning or people that are going with you on a trip soon? I don't have a board member here, but I have our treasurer here. Her name is Carla. She's sitting beside my wife. Hello, Carla. And I'll ask these ladies to stand up. Anastasia. She is. And I'm looking around. Monica. And Katie. And Katie. These three ladies are, will be joining us this summer in Ghana as a part of our team. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. And um, if you would like to have more information on it, just be sure to talk to Troy after the service that you have. And if you uh, sponsor a child, then be sure to talk to him on that. If you would uh, give in to Ghana Initiative's uh, mission that they're doing or to some of the people that are traveling with, just mark that on your, on your donation and we'll make sure it gets to the proper place. I want to also call your attention to, uh, we have a newsletter on the back from, uh, you can read about what's going on there. They're stateside right now, they had to, because everything is closed down there, they had to close their coffee shop as well, and so everything is locked up um, just tight as a fiddle. 
I guess fiddles are tight, I don't know where that saying comes from, but anyhow, locked up real tight, and uh, nobody's doing anything there, and so is in the States, but he continues to minister to the people um, over the internet, and they've actually had uh, a lot of guests and things, and people logging in and listening that ordinarily don't, and so in the nation of, of uh, an interesting thing of what's happening with the gospel there. And then also... Um, and been in Iraq, and just uh, been, of course, locked down, but they've been blessed to be able to go minister to some of the refugee camps. The people in the refugee camps are not allowed to come out like they normally are, so they've been taking food and things to them, as well as to many of the checkpoints. There's a lot of military families that have been working long hours and... Um, so they've been taking lots of food boxes and ministering in that way. So the ministry still goes on and their work still goes on. And I'm sure that many of you could share of the different places that you've been partnered with. So do be praying because, you know, finances is one way we help, but certainly prayer is another. Paul again and again said, pray for me as I share the word. And the reason he said that, you know, he even said uh, specifically pray that the word would have free reign in the hearts of the people we're ministering to. Um, because apparently if they didn't pray, it would make a difference and it would affect it and it wouldn't have free access. So what Paul is saying is your prayers will absolutely make it in those places. So do pray for them. Um, do, do partner with them financially. You know, they have... Um, recently, if you've been watching the news, there's a certain pastor in Louisiana that's been taking a lot of heat because he continues to remain open and bring in, um, you know, 1,000, 1,300 people every week, and he's been arrested multiple times, and he just doesn't quit, right? And uh, just continues on, and one of the things that, um, that's been happening there is well, they've been ministering to children and all of that, and I forget what I started saying. What was I saying before that? Yeah, I remember all of that. It was before that. <laughs> praying. Yes. Be praying, because we have um, all around us the opportunity to be salt and light. Not everybody is going to be as enthused about it as you are. And so what we have at this time and in this place is... We, we want to pray for the people that are in other countries and other nations. We want to pray for our country, our nation. Pray that our people would see the time that we live in, the season that we live in, and what the Lord is doing here. You know, we have um, got some direction on something I should do. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you. And this morning, we just recognize that it's in your light that we do see light. And so, Father, I ask you to open our eyes to things this morning, to see things maybe that we've not seen before. Lord, to give us understanding and revelation of the time and season that we live in right now, of, of the windows that you've opened to us. And Father, I believe that your window, the window of heaven, is open to us. That we, as you've said in your word, that we have free access to you and to your throne room. And so Lord, I ask that you would impress upon each one of us the importance of the hour, how we can make a difference, how we can be a part of it. And I thank you for this.